Welcome, welcome, welcome. Of negotiated management. Uh, my name is Lee. And I'm Jim. And we are back in the studio. Uh, our big production studio based out <clears throat> of um, New Brunswick, New Jersey. Uh, Coming to you live from the Hub City. That's right. Uh, you know, we are broadcasting from Asbury Park right now. Man, th- those that weather this week, huh? It's been it's been a swelter, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been working, so. Oh well, that's my day job. You. Yeah, your regular a, day job. Yeah. Well, your your wage cuck job. I am a wage cuck. Yes, you truly are. 100%. Wagey, wagey, stomps his feet. Wagey, 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 wagey beats his meat. Wagey, if no work, he cannot eat. Wagey, 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 stomps his feet. Unlike you, I am a salaried worker, which means that no matter how much work I do or how little work I do, I get paid the same mm-hmm. amount. Either way, so how how's those peanuts for you, bro? Well, um, well, it is true that public workers are massively overpaid. Absolutely, but we're not gonna we're not gonna bash them as fellow members of the, the working class of the working class. That's right. Yeah, you know, even though I'm superior, and I, I suppose so. But see, it's all a plot by the Democrats. Yes, to overpay and divide and conquer us working people. Mm-hmm. So they purposely pay teachers more to inflict the youth with this toxic knowledge of higher paid jobs, uh, white collar jobs versus like the lower paid blue collar working class jobs. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just it's all their plot to divide and conquer the working class yeah. and impose their hegemonic rule on us. Exactly. Although not going to lie, my bike broke down the other day. Right. Oh, that's I sad. To, I had to call a towing company to come and fix it. Mm-hmm. I asked the guy. The, who towed my bike, how much do you get paid? And he's told me he gets paid $75,000 a year to drive a truck around. That's a union, towed. baby. You know That's, how much UPS drivers make? How much? After four years, you max out at like 37 an hour, 40 an hour. Mm-hmm. Plus, over time, you're pulling in more than six figures. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I'm a teacher. No matter how much I work, I don't get paid extra. Uh, yeah, so, so I mean, UPS drivers, they work overtime, they get holiday pay, they get great benefits. Even some people work part-time as UPS drivers to, mm-hmm. just for the benefits. And they have their own side businesses on the side. Yeah, and they get soup. Who, wait, what was, get that, soup. what was that group, that that, uh, that job that, like, if they, get, if they work during the wintertime, they have to be paid soup, and the soup has to be two different types? They can't be fed the same I, soup twice? I, I think it was um, Longshoremen. Yeah, it was, like, the Longshoremen or, like, the Bridge Inspectors or something like that. No, it was, uh, what was it? It was in New York City, I remember. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was um, the longshoremen at the ports, but like the truck drivers. Yeah. Yeah, so it was in their union like negotiation. The bylaws. The bylaws that they had to be paid in soup. Soup. If they work during the wintertime, they must be paid with soup. And they the must soup, have soup The on morning site. and the afternoon soup can't be the same soup. Yeah, it has to be two different soups. <laughs> two different soups. But Where it, are you? I'm at the soup store. <laughs> what are you getting? Soup. Soup. <laughs> soup for my family. I can't... I, I can't. There's only soup. <laughs> the soup for the workers. Soup for the working class. I don't like this tomato soup. Uh, I'm going on strike. Strike. strike burns strike, down strike, the cranes. Strike. Strike. 
Yeah, no, it's the like great a soup strike of mm-hmm. 1986. <laughs> <laughs> the Soviets promised bread, land, and peace. We promised soup, soup, and soup. <laughs> Three different types of soup. I, I think that's why the American labor uh, movement's dying. Why? Because we ran out of soup. We ran out of soup. <laughs> God damn it. Back in the day, we had all kinds of soup. We had clam chowder soup. We had split pea soup. We even had that Hasidic Jewish uh, matzo ball soup, which is okay, actually. I liked it, but... Damn it, nowadays all they serve is tomato soup. Tomato soup. We had French onion soup one day. Oh, and everyone died. Everyone died. And they disbanded the union afterwards. <laughs> How dare they? Uh, but yeah, so uh, unions. Yes, unions. And get a union. <clears throat> oh, speaking of which, have you heard any updates about the Amazon union? Uh, I have not. You should um look that up. Yeah, we, was... Get our uh, production assistant on that. All right. So we have been advised by our overlords at Amazon to uh, not discuss the strike. Yeah, so they are a majority uh, funder in our organization. Yes. I I also did not read the fine print, and uh, I was informed by our lawyer that if I were to discuss the incident any further, uh, I would have to give one of my kidneys to Jeff Bezos. Yes, just like how Vice News can't talk about Heineken because they're they're one of their sponsorships. We cannot talk about Amazon. Is it? Is Heineken actually a sponsor of Vice? Yeah, everything is a sponsor of Vice. Everything's Gross. branded content nowadays. Gross. It's like branded content about the Amazon rainforest uh, being burnt down. Mm-hmm. Brought, Brought to you, you. by ExxonMobil. <laughs> it's not even ironic. Yeah, honestly, <clears throat> Vice has like really been cucked in like these last couple of years. I'm not gonna lie. Like I used to have respect for Vice, and like I think they were. I used to think they were so cool. They were like. They're like the punk rock of news channels and everything. Yeah. And now they're just sort of like, well, munchies. I, like they run cooking shows. Well, yeah, I, I worked for them for a little bit on, yeah, on a couple what was shoots. That like? Um, well, they were all shit shows, kind of every shoot. And the one producer I worked for, he also ran a shit show. I know. Uh, they tried to do a shoot up in the mountains, like in some remote hillside villa. And uh, a windstorm came and knocked out the power for three days, and they ran out of money. And, yeah, that was about it. They couldn't even afford a train for the uh, lead actress. I had to drive five hours down to Philly and pick her up. Mm. Excuse me. But it's like any shoot. Either, you know, your shoot's running with uh, Haddad's trucking, or, uh, yeah, I think it's Haddad, and the big catering trucks... And they lock down the entire streets, and it's a multi, like, tens of millions of dollars budget. Or it's a total shit show, and you're running rental U-Hauls with uh, crap in the back. So it's one or the other. You don't really have in-between. Uh-huh. And most of Vice's stuff was just, like, those random half-assed U-Haul shoots that they just barely scrape by. Because really, most of the producers there are just rich Brooklynites or stoner potheads or just weirdo creeps. Yeah, and they, they take so long to come out with their stuff. I remember when we were at that Philly uh, riot, I guess, we saw the Vice guys filming, mm-hmm. and I think it was like nine months later. It, it was kind of cringy because all the cameramen dressed up in like all black, like they're Antifa. And we went, you, you had like your socialist shirt on. You mm-hmm. just had like a film camera. Yeah. And 
we're like we're joining them and he's like videotaping us too yeah and we're like join us in the crowd yeah. then antifa kept like hitting his camera with their umbrellas yeah i remember he got and, so pissed off as well i'm surprised they even got an interview with them right and it's i like, know exactly which person they were interviewing too because we were talking to that person yeah like do we friend them on that i don't know no we, we actually have no relationship to anyone in antifa that's right whatsoever uh we do not have any relationship with the leadership or generals of antifa or their national offices. I may or may not be a senior leadership position of Antifa. But I can neither confirm nor deny such allegations. Nope. Uh, but yeah, so I was going back to the Amazon, right? Uh, I was looking into it. The campaign still has not uh, ended yet. The vote still has not happened. But How long does it take to vote? It, I mean, it's, it's, they're not, they haven't started voting yet. That's the thing. They yeah. are getting to the point where they're going well, to vote. Uh... Was it National Labor, NLRB or whatever? Uh, they said they can vote. I guess now it'll take a few months. Because yeah. everything's designed to stop a big union vote. So the last time you had a big union vote or, you know, union in the news like this was, I guess, the 97 UPS strike. 97 UPS strike. And then the teacher strikes. Remember, that was that happened, yeah, but that's I think, public years service. ago. That's public union. Still, I mean, teachers rarely ever go on strike. That was the thing. I mean, imagine things yeah, getting so illegal. bad that teachers are striking. Yeah, imagine illegally striking teachers. Like, think about, like, Mrs. Debbie, like, the fat English teacher from, like, eighth grade going oh my God. on strike. Yeah. Like, imagine how how bad things are that she's striking. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, Biden, I, you know, Biden, I guess even a broken clock is... What's up with Biden now? Is, well, a broken clock is still right twice a day. So, Biden actually spoke out in support of the union vote. Well, now Biden didn't say anything. He, you know, he's a, he's pretty much his brain is hemorrhaging, and he's a, what do you call him? Geriatric. Geriatric. Swiss cheese brain. Yeah, Swiss cheese brain. Smooth brain. Smooth brain. Whole brain. <laughs> Whole, Whole bra- brain. Whole brand brain. <laughs> brain brand. <laughs> but so, who who do you think in his administration called for this vote? Probably his wife or Nancy whoever that whoever this Nancy mm. is that he keeps talking to in Nancy his public Pelosi no no, no. He, every time he's like talking or doing his live broadcast he's always like all right uh now now answer questions uh Nancy if that's what you want whatever you want to do Nancy that's what I'll do and then they always cut the broadcast I literally have again. not seen this guy since the inauguration <laughs> <laughs> in a way it's like nice um, but it's also like kind of shitty because it's kind of boring. Like the one nice thing about Trump was that there was something that he did every week that we could talk about and get pissed he off. He was at. so entertaining. He was so entertaining, and the best part was like he was so hilariously incompetent and bad that it revealed the flaws of capitalism. Right. Yeah. But with Biden, see, Biden does like the typical Democrat thing where they're like culturally very radical, like culturally radical, but then they they. They make a bunch of noise and a bunch of hoopla, and nothing ever happens. Nothing fundamentally changes with them. Well, yeah, that's what whereas Biden said with, himself. Whereas with Republicans, it's just mask off. Mask off evil. Um, but yeah, so Biden actually spoke out in support of the unionization. Mm-hmm. And NFL, which is the NFL, which is rapidly proving to be like the, one of the most radical like groups in America, NBA. I guess. And the NBA, yeah, the NBA also spoke out in support of the union, and some of their players actually traveled to Alabama to support the union. Which yeah, is pretty I, cool. I imagine. I mean, yeah, they even doing those strikes and stuff with all, all that show. Mm-hmm. But I mean, which I guess if you think about it, it, makes sense because a lot of NFL players 
they they have to you have to go to college first to go play in the NFL. Yeah. So all of them have college degrees. True. So and also all of them, well, most of them come from, you know, impoverished backgrounds. Exactly, working class impoverished backgrounds. So yeah. it actually makes sense that they would support things like Black Lives Matter. It, it's uh, just kind of weird, or maybe depressing that the organic leadership of just the American working class is a bunch of basketball players. Mm-hmm. Not to disparage them, but I mean, it, I, mean I don't know. There's they're, no. They're showmen. There's no organization amongst it it's all spontaneous individual action which you know yeah that's exactly what organic leadership is yeah exactly which is a problem though because that's no way to run a movement you know uh one of the things that we always talk about on this show is the failure of individualism and i think that is the main problem with the alabama unionization because i was reading interviews and i was reading about and watching you know interviews and you know Mm -hmm. talks about it and a, the main problem that the unionization movement has been having is this issue of individualism versus collectivization, especially in the South, where there's this, you know, we have this cult of individualism in America, right? Yeah. Where like, we don't want to give up co- any power to be part of the collective. I think it's because the material conditions facilitate our ability to be individuals. I don't think so. I, I mean, one is the material conditions, but also it's propaganda. I mean... Think about all the media that were yeah, pushed. It's reciprocal. Think about all the yeah the you know the media the propaganda that so were that, pushed it's through. That circle, mm-hmm. circle of life. The circle of life. I mean, nations dictate the culture, and the culture dictates below. Below, and it, it dialectical materialism, and what it all gets affected by it. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's a fancy college word that you might not I did know not about. Go to college. Yeah. I just worked for Amazon. Bullshit. You went to college. <laughs> yeah. You're going to college right now. What are you talking Shut about? Shut up. I'm, I'm the poster child of the working class. You're, oh, you're show. the poster child of the working you're class. You're the white collar, uppity, smart guy. I'm the grounded, chill, working oh, class am guy. I supp- is that our roles now? Listen, uh, I read our contract agreement, okay? I'm not that, okay? I'm supposed to be the grounded person, all right? Well, then, no. Listen, if you keep going against the contract, we're going to have problems. <laughs> Yes, sir. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's right. Now shut your mouth and be <laughs> stupid, boy. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, yes, sir. Oh, uh, my God. Here, here's your other beer. Mm. Your Hefeweizen. My Hefeweizen. Yeah, you know what? Maybe I am a little bougie, right? Because then I'm like, oh, I'm working class. I like doing this. And I'll be like, oh, yes, this Hefeweizen certainly has a strong aroma. Mm, yes. It really sensuates the palate. The German Budweiser is Budweiser. The it's the Uber beer. The, <laughs> the Uber Weiss. The Uber beer. Move aside, uh, Coors Light. We must make room in or the fridge. Or should we call it the Pissweiser? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent joke there, meine Freunde. <laughs> I live in Switzerland. <laughs> because I don't have to pay taxes. <laughs> My daddy was a Nazi. <laughs> oh, wait. That's not kind of, that's kind of fucked. Oof. But I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So uh, back to. Um, but yeah, Amazon. I'm excited to see what happens. Cops. Yeah, I'm excited to see what happens though. Um, I'm. I really am, and I really wish them like all the best. I'm just worried about what will happen to them once they do unionize. You know what's interesting? Uh, like a couple uh, times recently, like I've been having people at least three times. Ask me about if, like, uh, Amazon's unionizing, or at least the drivers. Because everyone knows UPS is a union job with the Teamsters. 
especially anyone older than like 40. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess this is really making the rounds and like all the, um, I, I guess union jobs, even mm-hmm. the union jobs that seem more like pe- petty, you know, petite, mm-hmm. like uh, like electrical contractors and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll be going to these like blue collar towns and just people will be asking me about like, oh, is there a unionization movement going on? You ever talk about that? Mm-hmm. Just like, yeah, a little bit. And I, what's weird, too, at Amazon, especially at my DSP, it's like the uh, actual consciousness of everyone that a union is good and you'll get more money working at UPS. Everyone knows that. It's just that factor of organization. Mm-hmm. Really, essentially, it's just so people just got to walk in and organize. I think that's the problem, though, where... So many people now are used to just the union being there and just doing the work. We don't want to put in the effort to unionize. Well, and we also the union. people who have that drive and that gusto and the knowledge of organizing don't work blue collar working class jobs. Yeah. They work, you know, they work in academia. Or they work for the union. Yeah. Or they work um, like a tech job where mm-hmm. if you have those skills and those smarts and really just the college educated background. You're working from home on zoom. You're not really working at Amazon. Yep. I think that's the problem. I think there's also the lack of outreach to working class communities, which is why, you know, we saw people like Trump coming into power because no one is reaching out to those working class communities. Uh, no one with like that socialist that and leftist angle. Yeah. No one is coming into them. And so we've basically just abandoned the working class to devolve into fascism, right? Essentially. Um, so I was, yeah, I was thinking about that, and I was like, you know, how can we reach out to them, right? And yeah. I think the simplest is just to talk to them. Well, you know? yeah. And that that is what Amazon is doing. Well, sorry, that is that's what Amazon is doing in Alabama, right? They're reaching out to people and talking to them, and hopefully the workers have been doing so as well. So I am. Well, I think the union vote's going to pass. I don't know because remember that we had mm. the whole. <clears throat> there's that whole thing in Seattle of all places where they want to unionize that one bar, right? The brewing company, mm-hmm. and that failed in Seattle, like one of the like the most left leaning cities in America. Well, yeah, but you got to remember, all the leftists in Seattle don't have jobs. <laughs> that is true. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha ha. Yeah, I, or they're like techno anarchists. Yeah, like, uh, what's, what's the name? Robert Evans, who works for Bellingcat. You know, Bellingcat's literally a CIA-funded front for yeah. intelligence, or and he are... markets himself as some Portland anarchist. Yeah, and uh, he wor- literally works for a high-tech um, intelligence agency. Mm-hmm. What is it with anarchism going into tech jobs? Like Pat the Bunny got into tech because it's everything. convenient. It's convenient. You have to, life has to be convenient to be. Uh, an anarchist, and like you know, um, anarchist or a popular, uh, what, what, what would you call it? A mainstream anarchist. An you know, main... uh, no, just mainstream. An- Ancom is more like Antifa. Like people. you think mainstream anarchists. You work for some tech company. You know about computers. Yeah. You hack companies. You know, you're part of Anonymous. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of whole anonymous. Oh, that man. whole cultural guys. That's the that's the old school Anonymous. You yeah, know? that's that's Occupy Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Man, I mi- honestly, I'm not gonna lie. I miss old school anonymous, like back when they were just like kind of edgy, sort of a little bit cringe, like te- you know, hacker people. Yeah. Like they were actually kind of cool. Like I prefer them over like this new 
brand of anonymous where yeah. they're just kind of like or new wave anarchism i'll call it yeah new wave anarchism we're gonna dub that term now mm. we're gonna copyright it yeah write it down write it down all right i'm gonna do that but, but you notice how all of these people make six figures a year working as like in freelance mm-hmm. and it's like you're not an anarchist you're an aristo you're an aristocrat your little petit aristo crap yeah, in the labor bourgeois. market. And you're not part of the army of reserves. I was reading that, a Marx oh, sorry, essay recently, recently. Yeah, he was talking about like the army of disposable labor. Isn't that, that just a lumpen proletariat? Well, no, disposable labor is... Well, we'll talk about that later after okay. the break. So I was actually thinking about that, right? And one of the things that anarchists hate is giving up to the collective. And I was thinking about like... Why is it that like new communists? Wave anarchists. Yeah, new wave anarchists. We're not talking like, about like the people who live in like um Exarchia and like Greece. No, they're like they're, yeah, they're actually in pitched battles against the mm-hmm. police right now. I was thinking about though, like why don't anarchists like communists? And I think one of the things is collectivism. They hate that idea. They want all they they want the benefits of like you know collectivization, but they don't ever want to give up any of their power. So then we can really put new wave mainstream anarchists to the right of the uh, Overton window, right down the middle. Are they central centrist then? Well, they have to be. I guess they're so, opposed yeah. to they're if they're the supreme individual, then yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. Um, and so, you know, because I was thinking about how like, you know, we always talk <clears throat> as communists, we always talk about like sacrifice and like what it needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it's not about what you want. It's about what the movement needs, what the people needs. Whereas with anarchists, it's always about like, what do I want out of this? Or what do I think is best? Yeah, what do I think is best? And it's like, no, your opinion isn't important, right? And that brings us back to Amazon, where, you know, especially with unions, is that people, everybody in a union, a lot of unions, especially like my union as well, has their own opinion. And if the opinion of theirs goes against what the union wants... They'll, a lot of people just say, well, fuck off then. I'm not going to listen to the union. And then they get pissed off that the union is losing power, right? Because they don't understand this idea that when you join a union, you give up your individuality. Yeah. You give up what, like, it, you give up being an individual in order to mass power, a mass power as a collective. Well, that's exactly what America is diametrically opposed to. Exactly. And I think, you know, but that's the thing. Culturally, we weren't like that. You know, this mythos that, like, Americans are, like, rugged individuals only really began in the 50s. Like, before that, we were all about collective power. Well, I mean, back then, before the World War II, yeah. the big war, the big one. The big one. The Teamsters were ideologically guided by the American Communist Party. Yeah. I mean, CPUSA was, you know, nationally held held national offices. Well, yeah, they had to literally ban them. Yeah. And you know, or, yeah, like defa- imagine it is your ban. And during World War II, we had collective efforts to win the war and fight the Nazis. Like we were <clears> all about collectivization. Nowadays, can you imagine if we imposed the same sanctions and rationing that we did for mm-hmm. the war in Iraq and Afghanistan against well, and that e- we did during World War II? E- even back in the eighteen uh, seventies, the or eighteen eighties too, land reform in the West and homesteading—that still. Uh, type of collectivization and how mm-hmm. the government essentially just handed out land to homesteaders yeah. to eradicate the Native Americans. But it was still a form of collectivization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that's sad that we've, as Americans, have lost our 
sense of collectivization, uh, our sense of like a community, and you know, bra br branching away from Amazon a little bit and talking about the Amazon unionization. I think that's also why we have rising cases of like depression in America because we, as individuals, are alone. Mm -hmm. Right, we are as individuals. We are alone and have no power, well, and that's especially why people flock to these pseudo communities online. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and that's why I think a lot of young people, when they feel alone, they feel isolated, and they join these far right groups because they offer us, you know. But Proud Boys started off as a like a club, essentially. Yeah, for uh, no girls allowed club, Vice News uh, drinking club, mm -hmm. and it morphed into this right-wing, you know, alt-right pseudo-fascist militia. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's it's very, very heartbreaking on one hand, but also very poignant mm -hmm. to uh, illuminating our current conditions living in you know, modern-day America. Yeah. The, the penultimate capitalist country. No. But also, back to anarchists. Mm -hmm. Like, this one discourse really irks me. Mm -hmm. And how people call for abolishing work right they want to just get rid of all the norms around work and just get rid of the idea of work in general how we're all going to be one big collective motherfucker how do you think you plan to get rid of work well yeah exactly it's like abolish work for whom for you 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 type on the computer and write javascript for two hours a day and then mm -hmm. get high and play guitar like abolish work for the people whose work does not produce any form of of value or, or really it produces value or abolish but, work for the working class like yeah. those who keep the you know the economy running well it's not like the you know the, the whole body of the working class it's abolish work for the aristocratic oh, working class abolish work for yourself yeah, yeah. essentially abolish, abolish work for me mm -hmm. because my work isn't essential and doesn't it does not really factor into that equation mm -hmm. of creating value. The bulk of value is created by people lesser than me. Mm -hmm. I am only ancillary, or I only help uh, facilitate the exploitation of the lower working classes. Yeah. So therefore, my work does not need to happen. So mm -hmm. we should abolish my work and your, but while still funding my lifestyle. Exactly, mm -hmm. and, and keep, yeah, and that's the most frustrating part. And I mean, like. Not just, ideologically, that's wrong, but or, also logistically, what do you mean you just want to get rid of work? How well, do you exactly. think you do so? It's it's these lifestyle anarchists who think the future is all Tesla cars and automation and same-day delivery. Mm -hmm. But it, exactly the opposite is true because a sustainable lifestyle does not include same-day shipping. Mm -hmm. In no way, shape, or form can you still... Uh, believe in abolishing the exploitation of labor while also expecting the same sort of life lifestyle we have now. Yeah. And the same privileges you have by working these high, higher-end aristocratic tech jobs. Mm -hmm. I mean, well, it's like what we talked about in uh, the People's School on Tuesday or a couple of days ago. The revolution, if you want to, you know, have the revolution be successful. This is what communists understand is that you have to sacrifice things. You might have to sacrifice your privilege, you have your to job, sacrifice prime. Your, yeah. Your, your Amazon one day shipping prime. My, uh, what your, else? Your toothbrush, my toothbrush. I have to sacrifice my steam gift card mm -hmm. and I might have to even sacrifice my life, you know, but that's something that anarchists don't understand. They just don't. They think that they just want these things 
and not only do they not understand like that it's impossible but they also don't understand like how they even get to it in the first place which is that like they think that they can just keep the current system going or that like if they just rise up and smash the current system it'll just happen yeah without acknowledging the fact that it's only through collective effort and organization and with these lifestyle anarchists too like they talk about using signal mm-hmm. and encryption and uh, hard breaks and phone circuits. Yes, but who, who do you built? Think de- yeah, who designed those? Yeah, who builds those phones? Who built exactly? Who builds the phone? Fucking China, socialist country. So yeah, I guess that answers your question, mm-hmm. right? Well, China's now exporting uh, manufacturing, but still, mm-hmm. I mean, there's still a bulk of manufacturing. Yeah, but it, it is very cool that we have a nominally Marxist-Leninist government, and they are like the second most powerful country yeah. in the world. Yeah, I mean. I'm not going to go into, like, huge details about China. I think that I would rather have China be in charge than Taiwan. I mean, that's the thing. I criticize them for introducing, you know, market elements into it. I understand why they want to do it, you know, because they're following, like, what the ideas of Lenin did. And I'm hopeful that their announcement that by 2035 they're going to nationalize all of their businesses again is true. Oh, sign me up, baby. Sign me up. If they actually... If, they, if those mad lads actually pull it off, yeah. fuck it, man. Let's just move to China. I'm down. Fuck yeah. China right. China 2035, man, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. GG Ping. GG Ping. Comrade G. All right, we're going to take a quick break right now. Uh, this is Negotiating Management. We'll be back right after these messages. Welcome back to Negotiated Management. What's up, everybody? So, let's talk about the news. So, in the news, uh, what's been happening recently? Um, well, what's been happening for the past year? Well, we are now on a one-year anniversary of coronavirus. Happy birthday to you. Cha-cha-cha. 500,000 are dead. dead. Cha-cha-cha. Life is meaningless Cha-cha. under capitalism. Cha-cha-cha. America is dying. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... Coronavirus is in its first whole year mm-hmm. with many more joyous years to come. Yep. And we're going to take the next few minutes looking back at all the great things that happened in the past year and the past decade. Well, you know what? I think let's start off on a high note, right? I think the best part about coronavirus is that our first radio show, Bombed. Red Star Radio. Well, no, actually, it, it, it did, did good. pretty good. Yeah. We got, um, I think our best one is Math Communism. Our best episode was Math Communism. I, that episode about... was just us talking to our friend and getting drunk and singing Joy Division. Yeah, I mean, that's that was still our best. It was yeah. that one, and then it was the interview with the RT oh, Russia yeah, the Today news correspondent. Not Caleb Maupin. We're not Maupinites. No. Uh, it was so with Don Porter. Yeah. I mean, he is... He's a personal comrade and a personal friend, but yeah, I was, um, we were supposed to go to his uh, meeting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, and then a- in April, and mm-hmm. we're like, oh yeah, it'll be you know we'll postpone it to May. Yeah, and then it got postponed to never. Yeah, yeah. Socialism is dead. That's right, guys. Um, socialism is dead, uh, which is why we have become capitalists. Uh, yes. Invest in bitcoins, guys. We'll get to that later. 
Exactly. But um, looking back in the past year, what uh, well, other than paradigm defining pandemics, mm-hmm. what else has happened in the past year? I mean, oh geez, let's think about. It. Actually, you know what? Now that Wait, I why think, don't you finish your beer. I'm gonna I'm gonna get to it. <laughs> don't rush me. A beer. This isn't some fucking shitty Paps Blue Moon. Mm. All right, or sorry, Paps Blue Ribbon. This is a beer to be enjoyed it's with my cow chop mug. Mm. Cow chop. Cow chop. Chom chep. Rest chop, in chop. peace. I did the uh, R.I.P. Our father. It's been a whole year since they last shut down. I think they knew something was coming. They knew it was coming. You see, cow chop went out with a bang, and then the coronavirus hit us. So I think we all knew what was really it's happening. It's not a correlation. That's it's a causation. Yeah, causation. Yeah, so we've seen the disastrous um, attempts at mitigation of the yep. pandemic from Western countries. And Where, we see yep. China, Vietnam, Cuba, they're all doing really well. They're doing well. I talked to my cousins in China, and their lives are back to normal. Mm-hmm. It is like they're going to school, they go out to the malls and do whatever the fuck they want. Yeah, my header on Twitter is a bunch of kids in Wuhan playing laser tag with AK-47s. Yeah. Like, nothing ever happened. Like, they are completely back to normal now. Um, and it's because they have a centralized government that can properly coordinate uh, corona- anti-coronavirus, you know, quarantine efforts. Plus, they have... The government has effectively created this culture of collectivization, which we talked about earlier in the show. Yeah. Right? The main thing that's stopping us from solving coronavirus is that we have too much individualism. The cancer of individualism is basically limiting us from ever curing the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. I, I like how you put that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've seen the neoliberal ap- approach and the more socialistic yeah. approach in the East. And I think the main difference between the two is the neoliberal approach still focused on profit. How can I profit off of this? How can we do this in a way well, that's still profitable without hurting the bottom line? The presupp- uh, presupposition is that profit is the most efficient way of organizing society. Exactly. So how can we organize society around the profit motive? motive? Because the profit motive is the guiding force of society. Mm-hmm. When on the, when the coronavirus not, is the antithesis yeah. of this, because... To do so requires you to shut down businesses, which hurts profits and the bottom line. Yeah, exactly. So how how does our society, which values profit over all else, deal with this situation? Uh, we don't. Well, not even values, but quite literally functions off of profit, off of profit rather than uh, individual safety and well-being. C- collective safety. Yeah, collective sa- safety and well-being. Right. Whereas we can see the Chinese. The Vietnamese, the Cubans, it's all about what will benefit society. Well, no, they're, I like how people say how China's obviously hiding the death counts mm-hmm. because that's just China. That's how China works. The Bill Mayer said right. that China hid all the deaths because that's China. Yep. Those all communists lie. Everything a communist says is a lie. Therefore, all everything said by communists are lies. Yeah. And then we see Cuba. It's like, oh, well, they're, they're Cubans. They don't count. They don't count. What about Laos? They don't count either. Vietnam. No, they don't count. Mm. DPRK? Oh, yeah, they definitely don't no, count. No, They don't even have people living there. Yeah, there's DPRK doesn't exist. All those buildings, they're fake. They're all of my townhomes, they're real, with real people living in them. I'm uh-huh. totally not doing this for disbursements from BlackRock. That's right. State. I heard that from Adrian Zenz on Radio Free Asia. Mm-hmm. So it must be true. Adrian Zenz never lies. Exactly. 
He he says his words come straight from God, so therefore it must be true because God, God is lie. infallible. Mm-hmm. If God was fallible, then we wouldn't be alive. Exactly. So yeah, uh, that happened. I mean, uh, what else happened during the coronavirus? I mean, I got really into gardening. Yeah, that was a big thing. Um, I got still really into existential crises and trying to find a new career path. But yeah, I, I made some bread. Yeah, I got really into bread. Your For par- the first two weeks. <laughs> yep, I was really into making bread and pizza, and your parents asked me for, to make them bread, which kind of pissed me off. Why? Because so I, like, I remember, like, you came over and you're like, "Oh yeah, my mom wants me to make you wants you to make us bread." And I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? I usually like ferment that shit for like a day or two, and he just wants it to like, let it rise. four hours." Yeah, let it rise. Well, no, if you have a good starter, uh, you just let it. You know, you build off that yeast, no, or got- if you use honey. As a starter, you can get a good fermentation going in like three days. Yeah, but you want to get started. You want to let the bread rise overnight. Yeah, overnight. But your mom wanted it in six hours. No, it was over a day. No, you came over to my house at three o'clock oh. and you were like, by the time I leave, can you make me some bread? And I was like, fuck. No, maybe. Yeah. No, because I, I, I can make better bread than you. I'm sorry. Okay. Sure, buddy. Oh, but you don't you don't make super sour honey sourdough. You have that sweet honey ferment. You get, you get the natural yeast from the honey. Okay. And you only use your starter for one batch, so okay, you have buddy. all the honey in it. Listen, I make I make bread for the working class, dude. It all took right. me two like three days to make this. Yeah, exactly. Rise overnight. You make bourgeois bread. By the end of the evening, you have really good bread, and you can use the starter again if you don't want the honey taste. No, you just like this a, is like bread you would you make just before keep the you starter have a starter in a jar. Dinner? What are you talking about? Well, no, because you use the honey ferment uh, to ferment the bread. You don't use the natural yeast. You use natural honey in that fermentation. Mm. So it blends the sour and the sweet together in a really delectable way. It's uh-huh. Delicious. Yeah, that sounds like bourgeois decadence right there. You right? can get honey from Listen, the Listen, the best yeast is stuff you make from a no, starter. It, it sounds like hard work and dedication to your craft. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Something it sounds you like fucking know. bourgeois bullshit. Yeah, right? says, says literally the white collar where... Listen, it's got my collar has roses on it. Okay. 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 Back to the topic. Uh, coronavirus. Yeah. We made bread. Yep. Um, we watched as racial reckoning took over the country and yep. tore apart America by its actual like absolute foundation. Yep. We watched like working class people who have basically nothing else to do because they've lost their jobs. They they're just stuck in their shitty homes all day. And they started and burning then, down police yep. stations. Yeah, they start burning down because you know the cops just can't help themselves. They just can't help themselves but murder minorities yeah <laughs> they just they just can't help it it's like they're just itching like oh my god i haven't, sh- I haven't shot a black guy in three months oh god I'm what do f- i do oh jesus <sighs> christ what am i gonna do what's gonna happen i'm <laughs> fiending for <laughs> murder i just bang, need bang, it bang 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 bang, bang. Uh, yeah so that happened and he's finally going to trial now and let's be honest, we all know he's going to get acquitted. Oh, yeah, they're going to burn down the fucking city. Yeah. Well, that's he's going to get well, acquitted, which is why yeah. you know, they're bringing in the riot police already. Well, they already they built trenches around the whole courthouse with um, barbed wire. Yeah. And, like, they fortified it. Yep. And I forget what they were talking about. It was a... Uh, they were trying to appeal the third-degree murder charge. And right now he's... Oh, the jurors that they selected. One person never watched the video. The other one questioned George Floyd's drug history. Yep. And none of them are black, I think. Mm-hmm. So maybe. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a reliable source <laughs> for a podcast. We're not professional news media. Well, no, we are. We are, but we are also... Not. 
Everything we say is satire, guys. Yes. That's what, uh, that's what that, what's that? I'm going to overthrow the government. That's yeah. satire. Yeah. Who's the frogs guy? Pepe? No, no, who's, they're turning the frogs gay. Oh, Alex Jones. Yeah, we're, we're like Alex Jones in his court defense. Like, everything I say is satire, so it shouldn't be taken seriously. But do take me seriously. Yeah. I think he wasn't at the Capitol. Mm. But, um, yeah, we, uh, so George Floyd, that was the thing during the pandemic. Yeah, it's cra- that felt like it was years ago. I it's, know. It's been less than 10 months. I, I mean, realistically, uh, about six months. No, because it happened in the summer. So yeah, but I, I mean, the last big riots happened in like October. Oh, that is true. Yeah. In September. No, that was because of the other, the woman who got shot, the nurse. Remember? No, that was way back in like March. That's oh, a one year. Oh, Jesus Right before Christ. the pandemic. Holy shit. Yeah. My memory. I, I think they're trying to pass a law in Kentucky now that it's illegal to disparage a police officer. Mm-hmm. Call a cop a fucking pig, which they are. Yeah, what happened to uh, freedom of speech, guys? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Oh, what happened to freedom of speech? <laughs> Oh, you gotta respect my rights. I die for your freedom. Oh, 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 oh. My job is literally to watch other people work with fancy lights on. Oh, yeah. Look, oh, it's like a rave. That's the sound of the police. Oh, I do nothing. <laughs> I still shoot you. Yeah, so anyway. That happened. Honestly, what else? Like, shit. I mean, nothing? Yeah, it's. I like... feel like we're just slowly watching society class or american society collapse like we are like neoliberalism has like ran its course and it's it's on its deathbed and we're just sort of like keeping it on the dialysis machine yeah i feel like this topic comes up every month when the next paradigm defining event happens so let's get back to the memes okay well how about that fucking bitcoin bro bro all right the gains are massive diamond hands bitch i all i told every week now i text my dad i'm like so remember when i told you bitcoin wouldn't ever be big and he laughed at me and he's always like shut up son whatever just i don't want your internet money i don't want i remember when i was 16 and bitcoin was at 11 dollars. i remember when bitcoin was. i wanted to buy seven of them yeah yeah and my mom was like, no, you're 16. You don't need that internet money. It's yeah. $5 to go it's buy not weed real. With. It's like Neopets. I think that was exactly what my yeah. dad said to me. It's like Neopets money. And I was like, all right, dad. No, dad, you don't understand. It's real money. It's the future. Like Amazon. He's like, ha, 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 Amazon? <laughs> Never heard of the company. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you mean the one that crashed during the dot-com boom? <laughs> yeah. And now uh, look at it. Now look at where we are. How much is it? Dude, Amazon is worth like three hundred dollars a stock. Or something. Oh, something Amazon's insane. worth like sorry, thousand. A uh, three thousand, not three hundred. It's yeah. something insane. And where does that value come from? Yeah. Okay. The but, workers. You're socialist. But yeah, how much <laughs> is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is now thirty-five thousand dollars. No, I think it's more. No, I I just checked it. These are the most current numbers. They are Bitcoin is currently worth. Sorry. Oh, never mind. It jumped up to earlier today. It's fifty-seven thousand dollars. Yeah, it was thirty-seven yesterday yeah it's just been like (laughs) (laughs) bitcoin go brr yeah you know what they're saying now bitcoin's ultimate value valuation as it becomes more scarce and the energy needed to produce a new bitcoin exponentially increases to past the total amount of energy the earth can produce 
mm-hmm. its final value will be in the millions. So everyone was saying buy Bitcoin now before it becomes a million dollars. And it costs like 100 gigawatts to make yep. you know, 0.001 Bitcoin. It's crazy how this value valuation is just like exponentially increasing as we go further and further into this like climate and economic crisis of the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah. I, I Have you heard that uh, Elon Musk was like talking about making a Dyson sphere just so that we could farm more Bitcoin? Oh, my God. Farm Bitcoin, guys. Dyson sphere time. <laughs> more Bitcoin. More Bitcoin. <laughs> we can either have energy independence or Bitcoin or energy, like lack of energy. Yeah. Can you imagine? Well, what is like, it called? Like you reach like the third stage of civilization. Oh, like the was it the gateways or the the barricades? Like, yeah, you can harness like all of the energy on your planet mm-hmm. and solar system. Yeah, a third stage society or something like that, civilization. To farm Bitcoin. Just to farm Bitcoin. Yeah, this is like that. Ep- this is like Stellaris, right? Where you can play as like a a mega corporation. <laughs> And you like you're like oh yeah what can we do to increase profit <laughs> ah yes Dyson spheres around interstellar you know we will invade these other civilizations to set up Dyson spheres on their stars so that we can make more Bitcoin <laughs> hell yeah. oh those civilizations uh, they're gonna die out because they have no sun anymore that sucks bro you know what I'm kind of glad the Earth is gonna die in the next like twenty years because really humans don't deserve to exist. No, I really, I mean, that's a bit of a bummer. I don't think we're going to die in 20 years. I think that we're just going to slowly fade out. There's never mm. going to be like a collapse moment. Yeah. About the, those who are wealthy, they need the working class to survive. So we're never going to die just in like a mass extinction. Yeah, yeah, probably. I think that we're just going to keep sort of slowly crawling to our death. He'll become the last man with his last Amazon autonomous factory. Yeah. And then he's gonna open. He's gonna open up a can of like fucking peas and get botulism. No, he's gonna have a can of peas, but realize he only has an electric can opener. <laughs> all of the electricity is being used to mine Bitcoin. Yeah, so he can't like... have his peas. <laughs> it's it's like a was the last man on Earth where he goes to the library, but then his glasses break, so he can't read any of the books. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be like that, but instead it's just going to be Bitcoin. We're going to automate We're going to automate all Bitcoin mining. This is like the system so that that takes like all the electricity and mines Bitcoins. And the last man on earth is going to desperately be trying to like use an electric can opener. He's going to plug it into a socket and then the system is going to punish him. He'll be like, "Excuse me, sir, you are not authorized to use this electricity which has been diverted for Bitcoin mining." This costs 3 This costs $300,000. Yeah, 300 to- or half a Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. The hubris of man. The hubris. Oh, how we've flown so far to the sun <laughs> and reached so little. It reached so little. <laughs> you know, I always liked that story about... Um, uh, a po- not a po- it's not uh, Apollo. Who is it? Link. No, no. Uh, the, guy, the guy from um, Smash. The guy with the wings. Icarus. Icarus flying. No, no. The other guy. Oh, well, Icarus is the sun. Um, oh yeah, Icarus. Yeah, the story of Icarus. Yeah. So the thing with the story of Icarus, right, is that it's that we always he has talk about really the really powerful well, small attacks, but well, his strong attacks aren't bad. Yeah. <laughs> Though he can he fly. He has good range. Yeah, he has good range, so um, he has an advantage over Kirby. Mm-hmm. But we always talk about how, like, we we talk about the part where he flies too high to the sun, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like 
there's a reason that we as like capitalists always talk about oh don't fly too close to the sun because we don't want the workers to rise above their station right yeah but yet they never talk about the second part of the story which is don't fly too close to the sea don't sink down right because we don't want them to give up we don't want them to stay at their current level and just know their place yeah Mm -hmm. and you know we never talk about the second part which is just like you know don't sink below your love station and stuff like that yeah because we don't want people to focus on that part if you think about that Mm mm-hmm so they, I don't know where I'm going with this tangent. I'm just I very think where you're right going now. is um, really the working class is held to just, at least in America, to just a high enough standard. A sustenance. Work sucks. Yeah. But you're able to sustain yourself just barely. So work does not suck enough. To end work. To make it yeah, like... To make to people upset about work. Yep. Because there is always worse work and there is always better work. Mm-hmm. So you will always try to achieve the better work. Yep. But don't now, think too high of yourself. Don't try to go too far. Because then you will... You um, challenge the system. Yeah. And then you will use 100% of the Earth's natural resources to mine fake money. To mine Bitcoin. To mine Bitcoin. Or, sorry, Bitcoin. let's be honest. Bitcoin's dead. It's all about that Dogecoin now. Yeah, Dogecoin. That Dogecoin. Well, Do- Dogecoin is, isn't inflationary. So they do- the Dogecoin uh, masters... The big Doge himself, mm-hmm. he can just say there's a billion more uh, Dogecoin. The whole point about Bitcoin is that it takes exponentially more computer processing power. Well, it's because as more to, and more people try to mine Bitcoin, yeah, the ha- um, the hashes and the algorithms become increasingly complex. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the driving forces behind quantum computing. Mm-hmm. It's not to like you know revolutionize and and really bring about a new industrial revolution. It's to make more profit and mine Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was I was reading this like how do you explain Bitcoin? And I was I was thought it was really interesting, which is that like imagine you have like a thousand people who are trying to mine Bitcoin. Yeah. Right? And essentially the way they do it is you give them a Rubik's cube and you say, the first one to solve this Rubik's cube gets a Bitcoin. Or gets a cookie. Gets a cookie. Or, or, There's only a thousand cookies. Yep. And so the more people that are doing it, only the first person to do it gets that Bitcoin. But if you have enough processing power you could get a thousand people who represent you, who are doing that solving that yeah. Rubik's cube. So you but increase your chances. The of getting second that Bitcoin. cookie takes two Rubik's cube. Yep. Right. Third cookie takes four. By the time you get to a hundred cookies, it takes you know ten thousand Rubik's cubes. Yep. To uh, get that one cookie. Yep. So then, eventually, you utilize more people than there are on Earth to get you know the seven hundredth cookie. Yep. So, uh, like right now, the total amount of like Bitcoin processing power like used, uh, or like the amount of electricity to mine Bitcoin is like twice as much as the country of Switzerland. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if we talked about this in the past podcast, Mm-mm. but may- maybe, maybe not. I mean, personally, I hate just talking about Bitcoin. I mean, you know my stance. Yeah, on but Bitcoin. yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, we all heard your stance. Actually, I don't think the podcast has where like I just think the whole thing's bullshit. Yeah, but um, let's talk about the real, right? The real, whether it's not like whether or not it's bullshit, currency? people are buying up entire oil fields just to burn that shit right out of the ground and mine Bitcoin. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. I'm just but, fucking I mean, in Texas, tired of Bitcoin. They, some Bitcoin firm called Argo, Texas, Argo AG, something like that. 
they bought like a 200,000 acre uh, natural gas field. Or no, it wasn't 200,000, but a very large natural gas field that was defunct because of, you know, the recent oil glut in the past five years. And so they bought it in order to build Bitcoin servers on top of the oil wells and just run generators right there on the oil field and burn that shit right there and generate hundreds of megawatts per hour of energy just to mine Bitcoin. Just to mine Bitcoin. Eventually, they're looking at getting a one megawatt, no, one gigawatt. Uh, generating capacity just to mine Bitcoin. And, you know, just two years ago, we had the largest Bitcoin mining farm, the Bitcoin farm in Louisiana, that was like 20 megawatts. It's already reaching like tenfold uh, increase in uh, electricity generation just for Bitcoin in America. Like, uh, at least looking at it in scale-wise, like smallest, exponential, next largest Bitcoin farm. And it's not even like... They're doing it sustainably, and it's it, they're not. just I mean, burning they're just oil, relying on oil right out of the ground, right? It's more profitable to use oil fields in Texas to mine Bitcoin and burn it right out of the ground, right there on the spot, than it is to power homes. Because mm-hmm. still, like people in Mississippi and Texas are without clean water because all of the pipes froze, and even without electricity because the natural gas wells froze. Yep, and meanwhile, you know we're still building that because it's not profit we're still building servers for bitcoin because it's not profitable to well you know make sure people live well i mean those people should have simply just mined bitcoin yeah you should have mined more bitcoin bro if i was poor i would simply mine bitcoin and become rich yes exactly should have invested earlier peasant Mm -hmm. (laughs) well bitcoin was seven thousand dollars when i got in Look at how much you missed out on, bitch. Bitcoin was seven dollars when I got in. Yeah, Bitcoin. I sold it for a a Rubik's cube or a pizza or some stupid shit like that. Man, I I sold. I bought Bitcoin. I bought a subscription to a hentai website or something (laughs) when Bitcoin was seven dollars because that's the only thing you could have bought with Bitcoin back then. Yeah, I remember it was like Bitcoin was three hundred dollars. I spent my Bitcoin on. LSD from some guy in Florida. Oh yeah, you bought acid. Yeah, drugs off of, off of the Silk Road on to- on the dark the, web on tour. Oh, remember uh, when you the could dark... either buy porn or drugs with Bitcoin? That was really all it was useful for. And was... I remember a specific Bloomberg was... Bloomberg magazine wrote an article on Bitcoin. How like oh Bitcoin? People talk about how Bitcoin is a new thing, but really, it's all it's useful for is illegal trades. It's it was like guns, drugs, uh, and fucking porn. Yeah, and that was it. And now it's, oh, Bitcoin is the next big thing. Yep. It's become normalized inside, yeah. which is so bizarre. And it's uh. not, it's just so weird. Like, I was trying to conceptualize it as, like, a teenager in high school. Like, oh, well, you know, Bitcoin has to have, like, a real intrinsic value to it. Mm-hmm. You know, we look at intrinsic and extrinsic value when we look at stocks or stonks and options. Extrinsic value is how much people say it's worth and versus makes... intrinsic value is the actual underlying asset yeah so like nokia for example nokia is worth right now extrinsically like four dollars and the options are worth like a little bit more yep but intrinsically it's worth like at least seven dollars because of 5g and all of the infrastructure yep. nokia helps build and they are the owners of bell labs yep the, the, then they are you know one of the largest research groups in the world mm-hmm. so extrinsically no, in, intrinsically, it has a lot of value, but extrinsically, people don't value it that much. Yeah. 
because of different different factors and as, mm-hmm. uh, aspects of it. Although, you know, when you think about Bitcoin is less a stock and more of a currency. Like most of our currencies today is based off of nothing but faith well, in that currency. No. Comrade, you you've forgotten your Lenin, right? So currency is only backed up by the power of the state. Yeah. So but what, what that state power is... of the state is faith in the state as well. Yes, and it's, hegemonic power, which is and why military it, power. I guess so, but I mean, and economic thing, power too. That is also true. Although, real in reality, like the dollar is can be influenced by that, but all of that, all those things, really just go to serve how much faith people have in the dollar. How much faith the bourgeoisie has. Yeah. Which is why, like, the dollar recently has been collapsing because people don't have faith in the dollar. But all it takes is for one large state, say China, to ban Bitcoin altogether, and then it collapses mm-hmm. because it's all in- extrinsic. It's That's what I was getting in- to. Extrinsic. In high school, I was thinking, oh well, maybe Bitcoin is a unit of measurement of computing power, mm-hmm. right? You could always switch those servers to make something more profitable. Because I didn't understand how the fucking economy worked when mm-hmm. I was in high school. It's like the Constitution's there. It's the, <laughs> that's the thing. That's the law. But say Bitcoin's a unit of measurement of computing power. Yep. But it, it technically is. But then it still has no intrinsic value to no. it. And not, not even... And even the dollar has more intrinsic value because mm-hmm. you have the entire infrastructure of the United States... To back it. And the petrodollar to back it. So that's the intrinsic value of the dollar, but Bitcoin has no backing. It's pure speculation. Mm-hmm. It's gold, but totally disenfranchised from any use value or any material yeah. value. Like at least gold, you can use it for compu- components. Yeah, but you can't do it. It's completely based off of faith in the Bitcoin. And also, well, if we take talk about like classical Marx, Marxian economics, it's also well, you have the speculation and the money value, and also the labor of producing the oil wells and producing the chips and the graphics cards that are used, right? That's why the 3060 is so expensive is because the only place you can buy it is people, use it, people buy it all yeah. for Bitcoin. You can only buy 3060s on uh, BritishMiners.com. Which so is bullshit. Yeah. Because I want to play the newest video games on I it. I know. I want to play video games and Bitcoin won't let me. Yeah. Fuck you, Bitcoin. Gamer revolution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But then, and I mean, you have the labor really producing the backbone of Bitcoin. And mm-hmm. the labor also of the entire world and the ecosystem collapsing under it. Mm-hmm. You know, people just being able to sustain society. Because all of society now is really being conglomerated together to mine Bitcoin. Yep. Because that's the only thing that's really valuable now. Mm-hmm. Because our entire economy is in a bubble. Yeah, because it's we all have, speculative. no one has faith in the economy anymore. So yeah. they start investing in Bitcoin. It's, so that's why the most profitable thing under capitalism is absolute essential speculation. Like the the yeah. absolute essence of speculation is now the most pr- profitable and most expensive commodity mm-hmm. of the world. So speculation itself has become a commodity, yeah. which I find absolutely incredible. Yep. Although going back to my nothing ever changes mindset, mm-hmm. Bitcoin really... The only thing Bitcoin has done is that it has replaced gold as the speculative currency. I mean, back in the day, whenever the economy was in a depression, people would just buy more mm-hmm. gold. Gold has just now been replaced with Bitcoin. I mean, in reality. But the thing is, you could always mine more gold. You can't mine more Bitcoin. I mean, that's the, we can. We produce more Bitcoin. 
but it just the more people who are well, it's, yeah, it's slightly different we because have, the more people who are trying to mine gold, yeah, but the there's less a gold you get. Specific limit of Bitcoin that you can mine before you use more energy than the earth is capable yes, of producing. That is true. But it the only the at the end of the day, the purpose of Bitcoin is an alternative currency to the dollar. Yeah. Which was traditionally gold, which Bitcoin has just now replaced. I I mean there's no like use value in Bitcoin either. Like you could buy a Tesla. I mean, it's again, it's completely based off of it's, it's how t- much I, how much I feel a Bitcoin is worth, you know. And that's is the same thing with gold. How much do I think gold? L- is like worth? we look at imperialism, right? How imperialism functions and colonialism functions. You put faith in say the dollar because the dollar is used by the imperial power. Mm-hmm. So say Britain or say like the pound sterling in Britain in Africa. Right, you have the backing of the state. Mm-hmm. There's no state backing Bitcoin. There's no value to it based on the hegemonic power of a certain state. I mean, just so like it's, it's totally no, detached. I mean, there was no power of, backing gold. Well, except you know, Spain owns most of the gold. Yeah, but th- there's no like, there's no state that's there. Gold isn't like enforceable. The price of gold is not value based off of how much one country is enforcing it or how much power one country has uh, except in decline of how yeah, much but how e- lack even of that, power that was the purpose of fiat currency was to detach power from gold and material goods yeah so which is what i'm saying about bitcoin bitcoin is detached from the power of a country it's only it only gains value when a country so is by in decline. buying bitcoin we're destroying the state and we will achieve full anarchism with bitcoin mm-hmm. Full anarchism, or is it just libertarian wet dream? No, anarchism. Anarchism is the destruction of the state, right? <laughs> my no, li- my lifestyle I mean, anarchism has reached a contradiction. <laughs> uh, oh but, no! But I, I mean, what will I do? The point is that Bitcoin itself is like just the idea of it is reaching a watershed moment where capitalism is eating itself alive just yep. based on pure speculation mm-hmm. and pure fetishism or fetishization of this disattached or uh, commodity. Mm-hmm. R- really what we're looking at is just the whole system eating itself alive yeah. from the cultural aspects of it and the ideological to actual like the monetary and fiscal aspects of it. Mm-hmm. What I'm interested in is now that the major banks are investing in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. what, will that ha- what will that mean for the U.S. dollar? Right, because traditionally the banks ran off of the dollar value. So if the dollar, well, like BlackRock ceases to be used, only o- only invests in Bitcoin in order to produce more dollars. That's you know, true. To produce their financial standing. Well, we're here's the thing: is this just a momentary? You know, is this use of, for example, BlackRock investing in Bitcoin to get more dollars? A and a quick hang, tangent: is it just? Hang on, let me finish this. Is yeah. it just a momentary lapse? You know, because capitalism is in crisis at this moment, or is this a transitional stage from using Bitcoin to get dollars to simply getting more Bitcoin because no, Bitcoin has replaced w- the dollar? What state would allow Bitcoin and a decentralized currency to take their power? Here's the thing: because states, through neoliberalism, are increasingly just handing off power to private entities. Eventually, those the end goal of neoliberalism is the replacement of government with yeah. private entities. So but, those private entities, if they're investing in just Bitcoin, what choice will the government have 
but to pay them in Bitcoin eventually. Well, true. So I think in the future, we are going to see great wars between the imperial powers and hundreds of years in the future, historians will look back at this in as the Bitcoin Wars era. The Bitcoin Wars era. Yeah. yeah. Bitcoin Wars. Oh, how tragic those I mean, years I, were. I just have a feeling that a couple you know, centuries, people will look at this like the same way we looked at Belgians with the tulip uh, bubble. Oh, yeah, happened. 100%. This is worse than the tulip bubble because, you know, tulips didn't take up like the entire you know, electrical generation of yeah. the whole world. <laughs> I mean, you could just grow more tulips. Yeah. You, like, you can't simply provide people more water when you'd rather provide them with Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't know. This is a, a complicated subject. And I think that's something that like historians in the future will write their thesis on. E- economists or economics majors. Mm-hmm. People who have too much time on their hands. We'll analyze this. Yeah. They will, we'll, we'll leave this to the experts. But just know that Bitcoin's a thing. And yep. it's destroying the world. <laughs> yep. It is a cancer that is destroying our, yeah. our society. All right. Um, what else do we have to discuss? Well, or- we'll take a quick break here. All right, end our conversation on Bitcoin, which probably lasted way too long. Yeah, but I, it's 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 a thing. We got to talk about it, and you should buy Bitcoin, buy Dogecoin, buy Tron because I recently bought some Tron. Yeah, if we my, all collectively buy Tron, we can boost the value. We can of all it. become rich. Yep. All right, we'll be right back after these messages. Just who was your friend Don't be sad I know you will Just don't give up Until Cause true love will find you in the end This is a promise with a catch You only if you're looking Can it find you Cause true love is searching too But how can it recognize you Unless you step out in the light The light, the light Don't be sad, I know you will Don't give up until Cause true love will find you in the end We definitely didn't just spend two hours making that track for you guys. No, to not at to. all. But uh, to the track that is at the one hour mark of our podcast episode. So really, in reality, no one is ever going to listen to that song. Probably not. But I know we have a lot of uh, listens on Django Unchained. Yes. Yeah. So, hey, you know what? Maybe we should take all of our songs and put them into an album. Yeah, let's do it. Because we like we make us we've made what? How many songs have we made for this podcast? Like just randomly for this during this year, like six, seven. That's I was gonna say two. No, because we made well Dog during twenty twenty one. Dog on the road, Django Unchained, Kami X Liberal. 
a couple other ones. A couple other ones. I, yeah. I mean, in Red Star Radio and like last year. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's we'll make it. an album. What do you want to call the album, though? Um, Songs About Nothing? No, that's that's too indie. That's too indie? Now, see, we're anti-indie. We're anti-indie. We're, like, the whole movement is anti-design. Yeah. So you like you rig your computer up to like look like Windows 95 because okay, it's retro right, right. and hip. Like, right, I, uh, I totally didn't do that because uh, sh- I don't want to be retro and hip. But. Let me think about an album. Um... Songs to listen to at the end of the world. I feel like that's already an album. Is that already an album? Let's look it 100%. up. One hundred percent. Let me just look it up, Edis. I guarantee you, that's one of your Canadian indie bands. Let me look it up. Uh, How about songs uh, to listen, listen to at the end of the world? No, that, that's no. Modest Mouse. There is no. It's one called Songs About the End of the World. By Stefan Ellis, but there is no album no, called I feel like Songs that's to Listen to at the End of Modern the World. Baseball, maybe. maybe. Probably Modern Baseball. Nope. There is no album called Songs to Listen to at the End of the really? World. Really? So we okay. should make that album. Or should we make that the band name and have the album called Anti Music? No, we or, should call our. We should flip it. Call our band name Anti Music. Or anti, yeah, anti music. Because that flow is a lot better. Yeah. And we make our album songs to listen to at the end of the world. Okay, yeah. It, it's like we don't care. Yeah. But we do care, but we really don't care. Yeah, we're nihilists. It's like we're trying not we're to care. We're ironic nihilists. Yeah. But we're ironically, we're nihilists that are trying to be ironic nihilists. Yeah. But so we we're ironically. really care about being nihilists. We're non ironically ironic about being non ironic. Yeah. So it's like. It's layers of we bullshit. We care about not caring mm-hmm. about caring. Mm hmm. Yeah, I we like really it. care about not caring about caring. At the but, same time, we really don't care. Yeah, but also we do care a lot because so this is us. the only thing that we're holding on to in our lives. Yes, that has any meaning. Mm-hmm. I like it. Also, in case you guys don't, we're trying know, to develop a framework. Mm-hmm. But at the uh, same time, the framework uh, is meaningless. Framework. The first thing, according to JREG, the first thing you need to do is the moment you get a framework, you find a girl and you marry her. Yeah, so that's the Jordan Peterson framework. Um, See, our our framework is a framework without frameworks. Yeah. But we're desperately trying to hold on to that framework. Framework that because we're that's the abandon. only thing that gives our lives meaning. Yes. But we know the framework is ultimately meaningless. But we're still trying to hold on to yes. it. Our framework is the active rejection of all frameworks, which is and, in itself a framework. Yes, and so the framework in developing a framework where frameworks are meaningless is a and framework. we are knowingly developing a framework where it's meaningless mm-hmm. is a framework in of itself yes framework so also framework framework anti-frameworks framework. so we're making anti-music of anti-frameworks we know music is meaningless framework making, yeah framework framework <laughs> maybe that maybe like craft work our band should be no that'll be That'll be our synth pop project. Yeah, craft work framework framework of craft work works of craft work framework. No, our our synth pop band will be framework framework. Our indie punk band will be anti music. Yes. All right. Sounds so good. So we we have two whole bands and like probably six EPs in our future. Perfect. That's just how I like it. We're moving to Brooklyn, baby. Brooklyn. Soon we're gonna be wearing tight jeans and playing at babies all right mm-hmm. and playing in like shitty basement shows with uh, elsewhere what was that band that we went to where you threw up on the highway oh that was a uh, 
Big black dicks. Yeah, no, big, <laughs> big black dicks. BBB. BBB. No, big black um, Omega? No, Delta. De- big black Delta. Yeah. There it goes. One of the Greek elements. That was that baby's all right. I, mean, I don't like that bar that much. Although we could also play it elsewhere. They let anyone play on the roof. Yeah. Or I know people with roofs in Brooklyn. Hey, shit. You, you just play it... on any old roof. All right. You want to know what my goal has always been? I always wanted to play in Asbury Park. Like the outdoor really? stadium. I always wanted to play in the outdoor stadium of Asbury Park. Well, I'm sure they'll let and anyone I, I play I want to see, now. like, I want to see a girl, like, flash her titties at me. That's, like, always been my Really? Goal. You've never played at Asbury? Oh, shit. My wife just gave me a dirty look. <laughs> Love you, baby. You, you, well, no. You, you would be in the band. Yeah. I just want to see them do that. And then, like, someone gets, like, drunk and throws up at my show. And I want to see uh, someone, like, try and climb up onto the stage. Because they just love me so much. Yeah, you never had that happen. You what? You you've had someone climb. Well, I remember up when stage. I DJed at Greg's house and uh-huh. people were pole dancing and stripping to my DJ set. Okay, that's not the same. I want someone like I want to like have someone okay. pay money to to flash their well, tits. At yeah, me. but I mean, you've never played at Asbury Park. No, I've never done that. You never played at the Stone Pony. I've never played at the Stone Pony. I played at the Stone Pony so See, many I played times. In, all right, you I've played worked once. at the Stone Pony. All right, working is just lame. I've played in Chicago, yeah. but that's about it. And where in Chicago? I've played in the Jazz House. At the Deep Dish Crusty Lasagna <laughs> <laughs> No, it was my I, jazz I'm, band. I'm being so facetious. Right <laughs> now. No, don't take this. Listen, it was, my, it was my high school jazz band, yeah. which I called the Chicago Sound. I like it. Played in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Get it? Because we only play in Chicago. Yeah. And it was just jazz, and we it was just like we play like um, take five <laughs> and shit like that in Chicago. I don't know how we even got a. Sh- but you I were you were I, freshman. Yeah, I I think you it was were literally, literally freshman in high school. I think it was literally because I was a freshman and I just I harassed the um, the director at the uh, at like a local like you know place yeah and just kept spamming them with emails but like hey can i play at your place hey can i play at your place hey can i play at your location on on a, on a that, that's like with this podcast we keep harassing that guy at spotify like please put our podcast on please put our podcast on. yeah and eventually we get it yeah Listen, if you just beg enough they'll just give you anything you'll, you'll you never you'll never get if you never ask yeah exactly <laughs> if, if you never ask like twenty thousand times yeah exactly yeah all right so uh what are we talking about now Fuck if I know, man. Um, listen, I'm gonna be honest with you, Jim. Like, usually oh, we by gonna... the end of the podcast, I'm like eight drinks in, because what? you because like when we release our podcast, it's yeah. usually like an hour long. But in reality, they take like three hours to record because we fuck around. Well, usually so much. like four or five. Yeah. Yeah, because we fuck around so much. Because half. Well, most see, of before our time... I was distracted by the guitar. Yeah, because then we... I was talking about like a classical Marxist economics text. And you were like, no, I want to learn how to play uh, Daniel Johnson. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, we'll play Daniel Johnston. And we started playing the Arctic Monkeys. Mm -hmm. And then we went back to Daniel Johnston. And then I had to go take the dog out. And then now we wrote a whole EP. Yeah, and then I got the munchies and the drunchies. The drunchies, yeah. The drunchies, and I did that. And then we fucked around for a little bit more. And then there's a lot of just drinking. Oh, this is the part of the podcast where we just go on a totally different tangent for 20 minutes. Yes. And that's supposed to make it entertaining. Yeah, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, wow. You know, I always feel the like podcasts. we should put our drunken tangents at the beginning of our episode because those these are like the most entertaining parts of the podcast. No, because like I was listening to a podcast on like a philosopher, right? Yeah. I was like, oh, I really want to learn about this philosopher when I'm driving on, at work. Mm-hmm. 
And it's like, okay, the first hour is like, yeah, this is smart people talk. I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Last 30 minutes, it's always just them rambling on about like space or some stupid shit. So this is the part of the podcast where we get really meta and talk about talking about random shit. So sort of like come town. No, come town's come town. Come, I mean, come town does well, no, the same thing. Well, every, every podcast tries to be come town. They're really? always like at the last 30 minutes, you got to talk about come town shit. <laughs> hey, did you vote for Joe Biden? You're gay. No. Oh, oh shit. shit. You got me. Where's I guess my 10,000 followers on Instagram? <laughs> hey, what's going you on? You got me. I'm hey, gay. I'm Andrew <laughs> Cuomo, and you're gay. Oh, you got fucking nipple piercings. Yeah, I've, oh, I got nipple piercings. <laughs> I'm Megan Merco. If you're not an eye, <laughs> Prince Array of the uh, Royal Fire. Yeah, it turned a little uh, royal there, not Andrew Cuomo. Oh, that's right. Well, Andrew Cuomo is a royal, but not the yeah, royal you're royals. You're right, 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 right. Which brings us on to our next subject, the royals. Hi, I'm Megan oh. I'm an American. <laughs> I'm trying to fit in with the British. Hi, I'm Tony Blair, and I'm I blow Tony up Iraqis. Blair. I love killing Iraqis. It's just like my yeah. Xbox games. Oh, I'm Tony I Blair, and I'm accent. really concerned with the British... With the royal family. The British. The, the royal family is, is getting infected with the Africans. Yeah, I'm really worried about... You're going to get a 10-bit of and you get 10,000 Mountbatten's at the bottom of the Sligo Sea. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, there's, there's only two things I'm worried about. The Irish and the royal family. <laughs> you know, I'm worried about the Irish taking over the royal family because then the Irish will get in and get the Europeans <laughs> and then the European pennies will be <laughs> in Scotland <laughs> and then the Wales and the Cornwall and the I, I hear a little bit. Hey, <laughs> shut the fuck up. There. I hear a little bit of racism in there. Do <laughs> you want to get fucking cancelled? <laughs> oh, ooh, cancelled over anti-Irish now, racism. Now, in that, in that drunken spiel, I heard you recite the entirety of Mein Kampf. Is he behind me in the Kulissi-Geburtsgestagen? Yeah, that's if it's Wasser Wasser. British is basically German because the Windsors are German. Oh, that was just some spicy things you just said there. Yeah. yeah. yeah the Windsors think they're white, but they're really just German. Ooh. Oh, you're saying the Germans aren't white? And no continentals are white. Damn, that's what are you fucked talking up. about. Next, you'll be saying that you're super straight. Yeah. Ooh. All I right. I'm super all right. straight. We got to end the podcast. I only here. suck dick as a joke. <laughs> all right. We got to end this podcast here. No. Um, you want to end it? I'm fucking ready to end it right now. Well, no, we're going to talk about the Royals. Okay, so this is where we get back on Shit, topic. What else do we have to talk about the Royals? I thought I just said everything we needed to say about <laughs> Pretty much. <but laughs> I, so, in case our listeners didn't know about the Royal scandal recently, uh, Oprah interviewed like two Royal people. And they were like, yo, the queen's racist. And there, she was like, yeah. Oh, and she was like, oh my god, the queen's fucking racist. Oh, oh yeah, we're all fucking racist. Oh, then, Prince Harry, we're all racist. Is it Prince Harry or that was Prince Charles? I don't fucking know, Prince, man. Listen. Prince dickhead. I'm not fucking racist. Listen, I, I love me. Oh, my baby's only a little bit brown. Yeah. 
Oh, I love me some Ebony Gary. You know, we go down to Main Street, get some Indian chives. Yeah. Oh, those, those Indian girls, you know, they really remind me of the British Empire. You know? Okay, you're very calm down here. Oh, very yeah. calm down. You calm down? You mean white sauce no, village? You're, you're British. You don't pronounce E's. Yeah. You mean. You don't pronounce your E's. Uh, cool, yeah, you mean what I saw me out? Holy shit. Oh, it goes, Go, wins a chuff. Yeah, you're you, mate. You're talking to God. It's a shit. I think we're on like five minutes of this shit. Holy shit. That's exactly how. That's Oh my god, it's the Queen of England in the room. Oh. It is the Queen of England. Oh my god, we've got the Queen of England here. Queen, uh, Mrs. Mrs. England, what do you have to say about <laughs> your, your grandson leaving um, the royal family? Oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, oh, yes, The only people I hate worse than the Italians are the British. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, all right. Okay, so... Yeah, uh, just to wrap this up, um, the, the British or the Queen was really angry because Harry fucked some chick who was like one shade darker than like Snow White. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so everyone's like, the Queen's not racist, but it's like the British literally invented racism. Yeah, right. And it's just like I. <clears throat> I, I don't know. It's big talk. So I guess we got to fucking talk yeah. about it. But I mean, I, I, think I mean, just, my, I... my family's from Ireland. <laughs> Ireland. Alright. Oh, oh mate, the... I'm from Ireland. Yeah, we fucking no, no, eat you... potatoes, alright? I'm from Ireland. Alright, fine. You do the Irish accent. Toit by the morning. Toit to... okay, to right. by the morning. Now you're just being racist. I I'm Irish. I can't be racist. <laughs> okay, I think we... Yeah, so... I think yeah. we've said everything that needs to be said, said about, about the, the royal British. family. Yeah, that's, that sums up our opinion. <laughs> <laughs> the royal scandal. How? Oh my God, the queen's British and she's racist. Racist? Queen, you're racist. Racist, oh no. All right. Uh, I'm Lee. And I'm Jim. This has been Negotiated Management. Thank you for listening. 10,000 more mount buttons at the bottom of Sligo Sea. <laughs> Chuck Yarla. Tee-hee.